Well, greetings, friends, and welcome to the Gospel Underground Podcast. This is episode 53. It's a tech party, 2019. We are broadcasting live. Well, I am live for me from the Power of Change Worldwide Headquarters here in Blacksburg, Virginia. If you weren't with us last time, last episode, man, I tell you what, we were honored. I mean, I was honored. I hope you were, too, to be joined uh, by my two teenage daughters, very wise young ladies for an episode called Girl Power. If you missed that, you need to check that out. But uh, these two young ladies have blessed me, man. They'll be a blessing to you, offering some some wisdom to uh, fathers. Well, maybe you're a daddy of a little girl who's like six months old, or maybe you're like me. One's about to turn 18 next month. The other one's 16, but Kayla and Kai joined me. It was great. Had a great time. Jesse, Jesse Fury, my co-host here on The Underground, has been working hard this summer. He's transitioning into a new role with uh, with our church, as well as he was manning the fort a little bit by our, while our lead pastor uh, was on a three-month sabbatical. So Jesse will be back with us here soon, and I think he'll be leading us maybe in the next episode, certainly in the next few episodes, uh, on some underground virtue. That's what I'm talking about in a couple of weeks. We had a, a podcast called Underground Saints where we talked about Mr. Malcolm. We will continue that uh, segment, Underground Saints, here in the future. And Jesse wants to give us a little word about hey, how we need to live uh, in the underground to develop and grow virtue. That's a human being living according to its purpose and design and goodness over time, flourishing. I look forward to that. I'm in a good mood today, friends. The Premier League football season, that's soccer for you American people, uh, began this weekend. I don't know who's playing NFL preseason. I don't know what the top 25 is in college football, but I do know that Manchester United Football Club just beat the behinds. Let's say beat the brakes off. Chelsea Football Club, the Blues. Sorry, friends. Sorry, uh, Sam. Sorry, Jason. Chelsea friends. Uh, Yancey out there. Uh, but y'all got a little whipping. Hey, Christian Pulisic, American superstar, did make his first uh, debut. We scored like two goals in 90 seconds, and so he didn't really make an impact on the game. But we do wish Mr. Pulisic well. Well, today I had so much energy, I, I just ran out in the shed for this podcast. I've been planning for some time. Today's going to be our first annual Gospel Underground Tech Party. So we're calling it Tech Party 2019. Into the summer tradition, we're starting this year to look at some of the latest trends and news in the technology world and how these things overlap between the borderlands, uh, between the church and culture. One of the things that you uh, hopefully realize and need to remember that the technologies that humans create are made by people with all kinds of worldview. There's a lot of believers in Christ in technology. In fact, there was a gentleman uh, named Fred Brooks who was a computer scientist at the University of North Carolina when I was a college student, and I asked one of my teaching assistants, TAs from my class, did she know who that guy was or whatever. She goes, "He's he's a minor deity in computer science. I was like, well... Seeing that he's a follower of Jesus Christ, he wouldn't like being called a deity, but I get your flow. He was a baller in that space. So technology is not just the purview of one certain worldview. It's a human creation, hopefully for human good and flourishing. And we're going to today today start this tradition of looking at, hey, what is the state of the world on some of those technological fronts? It will not be too nerdy, I promise, but we will start out with our first segment today is going to be a little tech review-ish. It's not a review, we're not that into it, so sit right back. It's time for review-ish, we talk books and tech and movies and things, but don't care enough to write anything. It's not a review, 
we're not that into it, so sit right down. It's time for Review-ish. Well, segment one today is going to be uh, the first maybe of two mentions of a new product that I've uh, just acquired and will be using more and more. I've used it once in a little video uh, for some friends celebrating his wife's 40th uh, birthday. And I've also uh, using it today in about uh, 45 minutes or so to capture my wife's soccer coach meeting on video and audio. What I'm using is called Miked, M-I-K-E-D, I think is how you spell it. It's a microphone slash digital audio recorder slash Bluetooth app slash video on an iPhone that's just fascinating. First of all, it's a high quality. They have multiple levels. You can get different prices on these things, uh, but multiple levels of quality. They have a studio quality microphone, right? So you can record for a podcast. It's going to be my new road mic, most likely. Very small little square thing. It fits in the palm of your hand. Now, the, here's where it gets interesting. It also can be used by, like as a, uh, uh, a standalone digital audio recorder. So if you need a quick podcast or a quick uh, record for sending out something to your church or your, your business, boom, it records on to its memory. You can take it right off and use the audio. Great mic, great capture, capture on device. Now, here's where you're like, well, that's a big deal. No, it's not a big deal. Here's where it gets awesome. Many times, I, my video camera is my phone, right? I'm not, I've resisted investing for short little videos that I do often for places I'm speaking, things like that, a little promo, send it out, right? Uh, sometimes I'll do an update for some of our ministry partners on my phone. And I was like, ah, should I get a big fancy video camera for the office, put on a tripod to do these things? Well, the problem I run into is getting good audio into the iPhone. So you're taking video, right? You know, 1080p, let's say HD video, and you're trying to get a good audio with it. So either you have to have some lightning cable that goes to some sort of good microphone, and you have to drag a cable, you know, across the room, that kind of thing, and position a mic maybe off, off scene where you can't be seen. It gets a little bit uh, kludgy. You're like sticking everything together with duct tape. Now, this microphone, it's actually called Mic Me, M-I-K-M-E. I don't know why I keep calling this thing mic'd, but it's called the Mic Me actually has this feature where it has an app on the on the iPhone where it actually syncs the audio captured on the high quality mic through bluetooth through some kind of machine learning right with the video you capture on the phone so you can put the microphone right next to a speaker no wires phone across the room on a, a tripod taking video and it puts it together perfect at the end y'all got so hype and I saw this so I'll let you know how it goes if it continues to be a great uh product if you do a little bit of uh, audio and you need some video phone shooting this might be a fantastic solution a little pricey but that's segment one reviewish now let's get to the tech party y'all summer tech party 2019 my undergraduate education as i mentioned just uh, briefly was in uh, computer science well i started in physics um, I love science, thought I was going to go to school for engineering, but the best wrestling team that offered me the best scholarship, top 10 team, uh, I did not have engineering. So I switched to, well, I'll do physics, right? So for three years, I did a physics degree, straight BS. I almost finished that degree. Now, the reason I didn't, I got redshirted. That meant uh, my coach, God bless him, thank God for Coach Lamb, decided to pay my scholarship another year. I, I, I set out my junior year, competed in open tournaments. And so I was going to go to school for five years. And so, well, I had a computer science professor, I know a physics professor named Sean Washburn, 
who had worked for IBM in the industry, and he said, hey, he grabbed four or five of us in his office and said, hey, do you guys want to be like theoretical physicists? And we're like, no, not really. We love science, engineering. We're at Carolina, uh, not really engineering school. He goes, hey, we have a new department called Applied Sciences, and if you want to get involved in this computer science explosion that was happening, this is the mid-'90s, right? PCs were already everywhere, laptops, all that kind of thing, but the Internet, right? Mid-'90s, Internet was blowing up. He said, you should switch to this applied computer science degree uh, so you'll be employable. He was kidding, obviously, but he, he knew we didn't want to be physicists. Not that we weren't doing well in his class. We were doing fairly well, but four of us switched over. And so I've been an industry watcher ever since, right? Um, follow com- uh, technology my entire ministry career, even though some people close in my family say I was wasting my education by uh, being a missionary or whatever, uh, minister. Um, technology has gone with me since that day. In fact, I would even use some programming skills to design some, you know, uh, different software and implementing uh, information technology systems to run my ministry called Power of Change. It's been great, right? Um, most recently learning how to do various audio and microphone stuff, uh, recording the gospel underground, but Hey, this is our first annual tech party. So to begin it, I want to begin with a funny tweet storm, uh, by a guy named professor Paul Musgrave, professor of political science, um, at university of Massachusetts Amherst. This is a tweet thread from July 29th of this year. And he says this person one, welcome home. Did you have a good day looking at screens at work? Person two, yes, my screens were good. How were your screens? Well, they were less good. So I'd like to watch something on the big screen in our house tonight. Person one again, okay, well, I might use my small screen while we watch. <laughs> and he goes on to talk about 21st century debates that are really translating on what's happening. Here's what the culture wars are. Are you putting the right things on your screens? Education, do poor children have enough screens or too many? Higher education, should we turn universities into screens politics did the russians put things on your screens uh the generation gap young people play games on screens instead of watching ncis on their screens uh sex you can only find someone to love using this app on your screen the economy did the companies put the things on the screens do they have too much power trade we design the screens that they make cryptography can the government see what's on your screen privacy can you stop other people from seeing your screen finance here are some lines hopefully in not in red on a screen computer science before screens we also used paper punch cards even and science fiction is here's a dystopia right the opposite of utopia here's a dystopia where the screens run us thank you professor uh professor from university of massachusetts amherst professor musgrave now it's a little bit light-hearted funny but it hits a little bit too close to home, does it not? Uh, technology, I don't want this to be a buzzkill technology party 2019. After all, it is a party. But I do want to say technology demands our attention. Why? Because it takes all of our attention these days, right? And it demands some uh, ethical concern. And certainly what we do with our technology and more importantly, what our technology is doing to us. And so today I want to just cover in the tech party some concerns that we might have today in 2019, highlighting some trends, developments in software technology, a combination of software hardware. Uh, and then I want to, after those concerns, look at two opposite dangers that I think are going to be in the forefront for us. And then give us some closing thoughts on our approach to technology as we close out the end of 2019 into 2020. All right, peace. Here we go. My first concern has to do with the potential for really fake news. Now, I know the president and the media, they fight. I'm not getting into that fight. 
But there is an aspect where we can be taken today, whether that's by, you know, a, an official company, an individual or a social media a news feed algorithm that shows you certain things on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Right. That's been problematic enough. Right. Things, you know, that we, is this true? And you read it. Maybe 16,000 people read it. Maybe a million people read it. Maybe 25,000 people retweet it. And we don't even know if it's true yet. Social media hits so quick, right? And things spread that we see little portions of a story, maybe in portions of a video, and we think, oh, look what's happening here, as if we know. And we read, right, uh, confirmation bias. We read our political views, our religious views, our ethical views onto these things, and we create a ruckus, right? We create a ruckus. Um, that's bad enough, right? That's bad enough. There's potential for even worse. Let me tell you about this. This is crazy. Last month, Microsoft demoed uh, this hologram translation technology where basically in virtual reality, you can create a hologram on stage that looks like me or looks like you and it will talk and it will speak like you. That's crazy, right? Even crazier. I'll put this in the show notes, but it will even do a translation of you speaking a language that you don't even know <laughs> How about that. You can see, uh, see Reed on stage giving a, a, a keynote talk, you know, on something. And I'm speaking fluent Mandarin. I don't know any Chinese, right? Um, there's a demo I'll put in the show notes for you where the person's uh, speaking fluent Japanese uh, based on her speech that she gave. And many think uh, this will be real time, maybe that you will see, put on some glasses, and you will see me speaking in whatever language you speak, um, uh, quite literally speaking, speaking in some sort of unknown tongues. Now think of the potential for that. It can make you seem like you're speaking anything. This gets really interesting with a technology people are calling uh, deep fakes, deep fakes. Well, you can now mask someone's video, of course, uh, with their face. And if you have enough footage and enough images of someone, say like President Trump, President Obama, President Bush, or, you know, Jay-Z, whoever it might be, um, you can actually make people in videos say things, co co combining you know uh, artificial intelligence that looks at and basically listens to uh, footage of a person. If you have enough audio on a person, you can literally make someone say anything. If you want to do something funny, uh, 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 Key and Peele, the comedians, did a Barack Obama video. Looks just like Barack Obama, sounds just like Barack Obama saying stuff. It's a little bit crazy. Uh, but can you imagine, right? how we abuse real news clips to give them false context and fake realities to start off a firestorm. But if you could make someone, maybe your political enemy, maybe someone you want to slander, maybe someone you want to destroy because you think they're bad, you can make them say anything. And how long, you know, now again, we will find ways to watermark these things, to fingerprint them. These are technological terms where we can see, right, that this was not really that person. But say it takes a few hours. Even if maybe a half an hour, how much social media uh, can be flowing in that moment? Now, this is crazy, right? Because we know in places in the world, people act on this stuff. Uh, there was a huge problem in India with WhatsApp, with people putting you know, false things on there. And actually people acting on that in all kinds of different ways. And certainly in our own country, people acting on certain things people said. And what if they didn't say it? That's a problem, concern, potential for faker news. We also have a growing ignorance. Um, second concern I have in 2019. We have a growing ignorance of how data is used. Like many people don't know when you just do something as simple as check your Gmail and then you hop over and do a search. 
you don't realize there's a company following you and accruing information about everything you do. And people are shocked. We're like, oh, I was in uh, Amazon shopping for a whiteboard. And all of a sudden in my Instagram feed, there was ads for whiteboards. And of course, it's shocking, but 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 they're they're following you. They know that, right? It's a great partnership between the places that sell stuff and places that run ads uh, to know what you do. Now, a lot of people don't know if you log in uh, to Gmail, you're logging into Google, and they basically can track you from that for, place for, further. Um, or if you use these features like log in with Google or log in with Facebook to another website, you basically put yourself then in a kind of tracking system automatically and i was shocked that all these people were making themselves look old with this app okay application right um hey look this is funny this is read with an old man's face you didn't see that from me because i didn't do it because i knew they were going to take my facial map and probably train some software robot to look at faces better that's probably what that's about who knows what's going to be used uh with our face uh recognition software down the line we'll get to some concerns about that in a minute in a minute but we need to be wise on what information we give to people and why. Now, I'm not just being paranoid, but there might be reason that you don't want someone to know everything, certainly what your face looks like, and be able to identify you from 35,000 feet. Uh, and if you're an important person in the world, it's all kind of things can be done with that. Well, two concerns, potential for faker news, uh, growing ignorance, ignorance amongst ourselves of how data is actually used, um, this is a little bit more sci-fi, but loss of our humanity, okay, loss of our humanism. Um, for instance, there are advocates for transhumanism like Elon Musk, founder of PayPal, founder of Tesla Motors, Space, SpaceX, I believe, and several other things. Uh, bo the boring company, not like put you to sleep boring, but drill holes in the ground, which is a fascinating guy, right? Modern day Tony Stark, Elon Musk. Uh, he thinks to, uh, to to keep up with the artificial intelligence, we're going to have to stick like, you know, computers in our brains and merge with technology, that kind of thing, right? And biotechnology, technobiology, there's all sorts of things uh, that could be concerning coming to what it even means to be human. And now there's one podcast I want to mention. I may have mentioned it here on the on the underground in the past. It's a podcast named, by a guy named Rob Reed. It's called After On. There's a novel uh, with that title, which is all this futuristic kind of sci-fi stuff using all these new technologies that are kind of on the cusp of implementation. So he wrote a novel on that. But afterwards, he started this podcast called After On. And if you want to get some real freaky sci-fi stuff, he interviews basically scientists and technologists and all sorts of philosophers and ethicists related to all these various technologies and what they might mean for human beings or even our understandings of what it means to be human. Um, one of the ones that was fascinating to me was some of the pioneers and maybe chief textbook writers for artificial intelligence. I don't have the one guy's name in front of me right now, but saying that, hey, that these kind of machines that are just basically rule-based machine learning, you hear that term machine learning, it's basically training an algorithm by looking at lots of different data stats. You give it 5 million pictures of a cat, eventually it gets pretty good at picking out a cat. Now, it's not alive, this software. It's not going, ooh, I like kitties, right? It's not doing that. It's just recognizing cat patterns really well. Um, but those, these things many times operate by rules that, hey, that have certain basic, hey, I always want to survive. I always want to improve. You might recognize this scenario, uh, which you might call the Ultron scenario, right? Ultron created by Tony Stark in the Avengers franchise. Uh, always keep people safe. How, how do you keep the world safe? Well, you get rid of these people that blow up everything. And so in benevolent purposes, artificial intelligence may be turning on human beings. Now, it's a little weird 
People don't like to talk about that. People like to make movies about it, Terminators and stuff like that. But we do need to think through what it means to be a human being, what it means to use tools, including software, hardware, technology, and how do we use those for the betterment of human suffering and for human flourishing without eradicating our own humanity. Uh, one of the things about technology that, in, that interests me is that uh, te- technology is not morally neutral. People love to say it's just a tool, it's morally neutral. Well, things like artificial intelligence or rule-based machine learning will have to have ethical principles woven in, right? Whether it's Asimov's robot laws, you know, don't kill people, that kind of thing. Uh, or other ethical frameworks, we need to ask whose ethics or whose morality, as it were, is going to be woven into intelligent systems who have to make decisions, like decisions about life and death, right? You have to value certain things. This is one of the interesting things on the frontiers of driverless cars, right, or trucks. you got autonomous vehicles, right, that could... Uh, the technology is already there. If you uh, way back a couple of years ago, we had an interview with Wireless Mike, Mike Bureau, technologist here at Virginia Tech, talking about the the technology for autonomous vehicles is pretty much done. We're working out how to implement it. It's problematic. So, like for instance, this is an ethical issue, right? I'm going to run over this small humanoid thing person on a sidewalk, or I'm going to drive my wireless or my, my uh, autonomous vehicle over a bridge into a lake and maybe kill the driver. Well, what choice does the AI make, right? Or do I hit a school bus of children or do I protect my wealthy benefactor car rider person? These are ethical things. Whose morality? Uh, technology is not amoral. Uh, thinking machines, artificial intelligence is not amoral. It's not immoral either, but the question we have to ask is whose morality. So these are a few things in 2019, the potential for faker, faker news, right, with uh, translation holograms and falsification deep fake videos, uh, growing ignorance in, in the population, right, how data is used and the, the giving up of our data everywhere, loss of our humanity, and then thinking about the morality that we might put into intelligent systems. Very important concerns in 2019. But what I want to highlight today in our last few minutes uh, most is that there's two opposite dangers, I think, at work with the types of technologies that we are using more and more today in society. Um, and the two opposite dangers, call them opposite because they really are. You don't think that uh, technology could be insidiously pushing us to both extremes, what it actually is. The first one is the danger of freedom, okay? The danger of freedom. And the second one is the dangers of totalitarianism, all right? What do I mean by this? Reed, I'm an American. What are you talking about? Freedom is dangerous. Well, uh, guess what, guys? Um, my view of the world says that human beings are sinful, right? Uh, and that uh, there are certain technologies that enable sinfulness to be rapidly dispersed throughout lots of brains and minds through, you know, social media, places like Twitter where the heat goes up quick, right? I mentioned India earlier, fake news on what WhatsApp, riots and murders happening or or provocations in uh, social media causing crazy uh, people to do crazy evil things, right, to each other in the real world. Um, unlimited freedom, do whatever I want, right? I say whatever I want. This is something that's a problem in, in what I call the chaos of internet culture, 
where we're just in our little computers or on our little phones, man, saying whatever we want, wherever we want. Whereas in the old days, if you said certain things in like the town square, somebody would say, hey, you would have shut your mouth, right? Um, and you just wouldn't, you just wouldn't put it out there the way we do. And so our freedom, right, has great potential if we don't use our freedom for good, right? The Bible says don't use your freedom as a license for evil. Um, we can do all sorts of harm with acting super free on the Internet. And there's other problems with our freedom. You know, hey, I'm going to do whatever I want with technology. Mark Sayers, uh, he's out of Australia. He's got a podcast called This Cultural Moment. Some friends of mine, actually I'll see this week in Oklahoma City coming up, put me on to these guys, Mark Sayers. Uh, I do have a book by his called Facing Leviathan. There's Disappearing Church. I need to read that one. He's got Reappearing Church coming out soon. But he's got this podcast um, and in, Ju- in July, I think or so, I think last month or so, he, he had an um, episode where he talked about technology. Now, he was a little bit more pessimistic maybe than I am, um, but he had some really good points about how the freedoms we have with you, how to use technology in the way I want, will actually do something to us. And one of the concerns he said was that it steals our focus and our attention. We all know uh, these companies are uh, want you to keep your eyes on their screen, on their app, you know, on their ads. And so they're designed, right, to keep you engaged with it. Video games are like that, uh, having levels that you get to and have this big, great triumphant feeling and want to keep going. Then the next level is really hard. Then you got to buy all this stuff to stay in it. They really make you addicted. Well, the problem is when you hop, you hop back and forth, right? You hop back and forth in and out of various things in technology. You lose uh, what uh, Cal, uh, Cal Newport calls the ability to do deep thinking or deep work. In other words, we shallow out when our focus and attention is so bounced around like a rock skipping right on a lake. Um, This idea uh, that we need to uh, even discipline our own choices related to technology. Uh, Some use the word Sabbath. We'll talk about this in a moment. I think the the term fasting is probably best for technology, but we'll get that in a moment. Um, But there's a danger with unbridled freedom to shallow our own minds, our own ability to think, our own abilities to focus. And it's our freedoms that will take us off the deep ends. Well, on the other extreme, the opposite edge of that is totalitarianism. Now, depending where you're coming from politically, you either fear the corporate man or you fear fear the man-man. I call the government the man-man because they have tanks. Um, They have missiles. They have guns, right? They can put you in jail. Um... Facebook, at least right now, isn't launching a drone strike on my house uh, for anything. They're probably listening in, though, for sure, to this podcast. Uh, But the danger of totalitarianism is to have the amount of information that companies have on us, right? Um, Literally, right, if, if you don't monitor your privacy settings on your phone, your location tracking of various apps, everywhere you go, everything you spend, everything you do, right, can be known by somebody. Now, think about it for a second. There are different visions for government in the world. Um, now, there's, a, there's an argument that China is going to rapidly advance in artificial technology because they're going to be able to accrue large data sets for machine learning rapidly. Why? Because they don't care about privacy. Right? They're not worried about somebody uh, supervising people. That's what they do. Right? The centralized authority of the, of the Chinese governmental system, which is kind of a modified central planning with capitalism kind of blended in now. Um, 
there is a danger in this, right? Now, think about it. You can walk up to certain airports in the world today, look at a screen, it looks at your face, and you check into your flight. Isn't that cool? It's cool until you realize they know exactly what I look like, and these cameras have high resolutions. Now, fascinating. You need to Google this. Google Hong Hong Kong protesters using lasers to thwart facial recognition. There's like this crazy scene, right, in these recent protests that are going on between uh, the, the, the authorities and, and those who want more kind of a free system uh, in Hong Kong of these laser beams being shot forward, uh, you know, and covering maybe people's faces. Um, why? Because if a camera gets a good look at a, pro- a protesting crowd, it could pick you out, man, and they will come for you, right? They will come. We, we, we in America... We're not used to thinking, hey, somebody might knock on the door someday. Uh, Those who lived through totalitarian regimes, right, in history, where people were tracked, people people disappeared, right? Um, The capabilities of the totalitarian state of the future is frightening. It's frightening, friends. Get your lasers out. Cover your face. Hide your wives. Hide your kids because they might be snatched people up out there. Now I'm not being paranoid. I'm not being paranoid. I'm actually pretty positive on technology. A few closing thoughts. I wanted to keep this brief because it is a party. Tech Party 2019, closing thoughts. Um, We cannot, we should not, particularly if you're a follower of Jesus out there listening to this, you don't want to drift into what's called Luddite-ism or being a Luddite. Now, Ludditism goes back to some of the technologically breakthroughs, kind of a legend coming out of England of people who busted up, you know, weaving tools that were taking people's jobs. And now today the word Luddite uh, simply f- refers to someone who is anti-technology, anti-technology. I think there has to be a path through the wilderness where we can embrace the good of technology uh, and reject the bad. Isn't that idealistic of me to say that? That's brilliant. That That is well thought, Reed. Resist the bad, use the good. Well, that's easy. No, it's not easy. But Ludditism, or an anti-technological stance, or a trying to completely not use technology, uh, either as a community, as an individual, is very difficult, if you think about it today. Electricity grids, food growing systems, food delivery systems, sanitation, communication, uh, it's very hard if you were to think of removing technological changes from the world uh, because there's so many things, at least in our society, that are tied into technological realities that we don't even think about. Right? We just go in our house and flush the toilet, turn on the light switch. And we don't realize how downstream we are of so many scientific and technological realities that were hard won in the past. Right. Uh, So we're not looking to be anti-tech, but we do need to be uh, wisdom-filled people who are wary, right, of technological things, um, but not um, fearful of them. I recently had a conversation with my wife, Casey, who it's really helped wake me up. I, I try my best to do a good job. Uh, with my with my crew and teaching them about best practices related to technology, um, but just this week, you know, my wife was shopping online, found a website. She said, "Wow, these shoes are cheap here." Entered in some stuff, and then all of a sudden, our credit card said, "This is a fraudulent site," so we're canceling all our credit cards, all that. Um, 
or uh, I was telling my wife about my own practices with uh, technological projects so, so that I don't give up my information all the time. And she really didn't have any idea that some of this was going on. And so there are many of us um, that I think we do need to wake up a little bit uh, to um, what is being done to us and what we are being used for. When like uh, Tim Cook, the the current CEO of Apple Incorporated, uh, says that, hey, we sell products, you are not the product. Well, because he's poking at competitors, maybe maybe like Google, who we are the product, right? What we do on Google Maps, what we do on the internet is then sold to advertisers so that they can more effectively, you know, sell us stuff we want. There's not an all negative thing about that. I mean, many times I find ads on Instagram. You probably do too. You may wonder, hey, why do I just love the type of stuff in my Instagram ads and want to buy it? Because they know you. All right. Um, but I told my wife, look, I don't log into Google Maps ever. I don't log in with my Google account to Google Maps. I don't care. I don't want to save my home address. I don't care. I'm not doing that. I use it, but I'm using it not logged in so they don't know it's me. Um, certain apps on my phone, right? I, I, I monitor which ones want permission to track my locations, which ones don't, which one have permission to use the microphone, which ones don't. Uh, if you use Facebook, right, at all, you better do a strict review of your privacy settings because they want to tip to knowing everything and, and exposing everything. I, I go through those privacy settings. Um, I told my wife sometimes I'll search for things using a search engine like DuckDuckGo, which is uh, doesn't track stuff, right? No way I was using Face App to make myself look old, get my face mapped to somebody. No way. Uh, I'm not giving. I'm not doing 23andMe. I'm not doing Ancestry.com DNA because I don't want people to have my DNA. I don't know why. Uh, call me paranoid, but I'm not giving them that. Why? They might have a database on that <laughs> somewhere. Um, I don't give my email address to hotels, my cell phone out. I, I do this awkward thing when I check into places. Hey, can I have your email? No. <laughs> what do you need that for? Why do you want my cell phone number? Um, I just, just tell my wife that's the way I roll in the world. Not because I'm paranoid, but I'm trying to be wary of what I'm doing with information and things. Now, I don't think we need to live in fear. I don't think we need to ban technology, but I do think we need really wise engagement. I think we need ethics. I think we need morality, right? And when we think about the systems we use and what's governing and guiding those things, I think particularly uh, Christian thinkers need to bring ethical reasoning to the artificial intelligence world. Thankfully, there are people working in that world from all sorts of worldview. Now, finally, I will close with this. Um, do you need to Sabbath from technology? Like, you know, uh, take a break once a week or take a, uh, a break once a day. Uh, you know, I, I think the, the best metaphor that I found, um, rather than Sabbath, I, I think it's fasting, right? A temporarily, uh, withdrawal from perhaps good things, uh, for the sake of developing, our hopes, our senses, our loves, our affections for other things, right? Um, nobody's going to say you should never eat again, right? So uh, that's not a good solution. But periodic fasting, right, for spiritual purposes, for health purposes, uh, can be very helpful. And I think with our technological use uh, and abuse, we do need to think through fasting, how can I set aside things that are good? Man, I, I'm not kidding. I really like my use of my smartphone. I don't like think, oh, this phone owns me and I hate it. Um, I run my organization from it. I read on it. I listen to things. I listen to podcasts on it. Um, I deposit checks into the bank. Man, I do all my accounting. I build websites on a phone. It's crazy. I was a kid, man, in college. 
who wanted to have the, the before there was a Palm Pilot or a smartphone with your calendar, I would look at my computer calendar on my IBM PC1 or PS1, I forget what it was called, PC Junior, and I would print it out. I print it out on a printer, and so I'd have my schedule in my pocket. Man, when they invented stuff where I could just zip it over and have my calendar, I mean, I love that stuff. But I do need to put it down. It's like eating constantly all day. It makes you sick. Um, using technology too much will help, uh, will cause you to lose focus. Uh, it will put you in uh, spiritual, emotional, uh, physical health realities that we don't want that are neither good nor helpful for human beings. Uh, they hurt our relationships, right? I'm doing a conference on parenting and technology uh, in just about a week with some friends in Oklahoma City. Shout out Frontline Church. Um, and I want to talk about that because I've seen how phones or technology get in between human interaction and relationships where embodied facial uh, face-to-face conversation. We should be for this uh, hugging people encouraging one another laughing being physically present is a beautiful thing that god has given hologram speaking japanese for me on stage pretty cool me learning to talk with a person from another culture and being with them even better tech party 2019 friends we're going to do this every year just so we can see what out what's out there in them woods so you can hold a laser up on your face when they come for you you know what i'm saying until then, till Tech Party 2020, we'll re-highlight a few more things going on in the tech world. Keep your head down, friends. Pray for Hong Kong. See you out there. Peace. The Gospel Underground is a joint production of Power of Change and the Bonhoeffer House. Review us on iTunes. Hey, drop us a little paragraph on iTunes. Uh, tell us what you like about the Girl Power episode because that had my daughters on it. Five-star reviews also. If you don't want to type out a paragraph, that's okay. Send your comments, feedback, questions you might have, or want us to take up here on the underground to info at gospelunderground.org. We are a dialogue taking place in the borderlands between the church and culture. We hope to see you out there. Peace. <laughs>